0: Thanks for listening to the Grace First Podcast. If you want to know more about us, head on over to
1: gracefirst.church. Or, if you're in the Wichita area, come visit us, Sundays at 1015. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. If you are out in the lobby way, please go ahead and start making your way into the sanctuary. Uh, As promised, I do want to give uh, Adam as much time as possible this morning uh, to go through Uh, this very important and necessary uh, lesson on on transgender movement. And so go ahead and start uh, uh, moving your way into the sanctuary, please. Uh, Before we begin, I know all of us in here know uh, Adam as our our dear brother, uh, but I do want to give him a a formal introduction because this is a weighty topic and uh, he brings a lot of credibility into Uh, This lesson this morning. And so this is uh, Dr. Adam Kiesling. He uh, is a physician. Uh, He had his undergrad at at, uh, KU, University of Kansas, in human biology, and earned his uh, MD at KU as well. Uh, And he did his residency in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he had joined us here at Grace First as one of our our, our brothers uh, in 2021. Uh, right around the right after the COVID season and so uh, we are uh, very thankful we love our brother adam that he is with us today uh, and that he is able to share uh, this very pertinent uh, and important uh, lesson on transgender so i'm going to pray for us this morning and i'm just going to give the floor to adam so let's go to the lord oh lord you are the lord of creation Lord, you have brought the, this creation and the existence by your word, and you have created it out of your goodness and out of your love. And we want to thank you that we are able to know you through your son, and that we can know the truth that you have revealed to us, that we are created in your image as your image bearers to do your work and to represent you. And so, Lord, as we hear this uh, lesson that Dr. Adam Keesling has prepared for us on this current issue that we're all facing, uh, we do pray that you will speak to us. Father, You, uh, we ask that you speak through Adam and it will encourage our hearts and that we will live not in fear, but in courage and in love to represent you. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: all right well good morning to the dedicated crew who made it in after the time change Um, so just wanted to thank everybody for coming Uh, we're going to be discussing the transgender movement um, and uh, we're going to be covering um, a broad variety of subjects Uh, we're going to be talking about biology philosophy and how can Christians, how can we as the church, Christ followers, um, respond to the movement, uh, but also the people who make up that movement, um, because that is what we are called to do, is uh, just be like Jesus and seek and save lost individuals, lost people. Uh, So, uh, next slide. Uh, so, objectives, we kind of talked about that, uh, and uh, next slide. Um, so, we're going to start off with um, creation, just how God made us as male and female, um, as Genesis one twenty seven says, next slide. Uh, So the psalmist um, says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Um, So we're going to be looking uh, a little bit at the biology uh, that makes us male and female. uh, That just kind of shows how the psalmist knew that we are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. So, next slide. All right. Um, so, first off, we're gonna start with genetics. Um, these are the cellular programming, or this is the cellular programming of what makes us who we are from a biological standpoint. Um, Humans have 46 chromosomes, which you can see here, uh, if you counted them all up. Um, The 23rd pair uh, is what determines our genetic makeup as male or female. Uh, Females have two X chromosomes, and males have one X and one Y chromosome. next slide. So uh, the X chromosome uh, females have um, two X chromosomes. Um, These are larger in comparison to the Y chromosome. Um, The X chromosome has about 155 million base pairs and that's per cell in our body. So uh, you have millions and millions of cells in your body. So just do the math on that and you can figure out how many base pairs you have. The X chromosome um, has approximately 1,000 genes on it. Genes are what uh, makes, uh, gives us our skin color, hair color, eye color, um, how tall we're going to be, Uh, how heavy we're going to be. Um, And then the X chromosome has about 5% of our entire uh, genetic makeup. The Y chromosome, much, much smaller, uh, about 59 million base pairs. It only has approximately 70 genes on it. And it's about 2% of the genetic makeup. Uh, in the cell. So as you can see, men are just much simpler
1: uh,
0: <laughs> than, than women are. So, next slide. Uh, so this is a, uh, an artist's rendition of the, the Y chromosome. Uh, up here, you have the uh, testis determining factor. It's also known as the sex determining region on the Y chromosome. Um, This is the master switch. Uh, If you want to think about the the Y chromosome as as a breaker box in your house, um, when that um, TDF gene is present and active, uh, it it basically uh, overrides uh, most of what's found on the X chromosome. Next slide. Um, Okay, so intersex. um, You may have heard about this in the news or the media. Um, This is is a non-normative condition, okay? This is uh, less than 2% of the the total population. Um, It has various manifestations. It looks different for everybody. Um, but intersex individuals are born with both male and female anatomy. Okay, this is determined by genetics. It's not a choice, Uh, but later in life, they do typically identify as either male or female. Um, There are different causes. Um, Individuals can have two X chromosomes and a Y. Uh, They can have only one X and no second X or Y chromosome. Um, They can have um, developments in the womb that just does not um, go as planned uh, or uh, as normal development has been shown to go. Um, They can also have genetic mosaicism Uh, Which, next slide. Uh, So this is uh, not genetic mosaicism, but this is a mosaic of a rooster. Um, And this is essentially what genetic mosaicism looks like. So um, individuals who have this condition will have different cells. They may be cells right next to each other that have different genetic makeups. So it can, it can lead to a uh, wide variety of um, uh, body types. Um, and uh, so I, I found this, and this reminded me of a rooster that um, we, we became fond of in the Dominican Republic uh, that was right next to us, uh, and uh, would usually wake us up around midnight two, four, and six, uh, because he needed to, to do his rooster thing. Uh, We named him Roger. So I found this picture and it reminded me of Roger. Uh, Next slide. Okay, Uh, we're looking at embryology. Um, This is what happens um, during development of a baby in the womb, okay? So we're gonna be looking at several different aspects of this. Uh, First, we're going to be looking uh, at how um, development occurs Um, in the uh, testes and ovaries. Um, So around week four to five of development um, after conception, um, you you will find that there are uh, a pair of gonadal ridges that develop. Um, You also have germ cells that will later become sperm cells in males and egg cells in females. Uh, that will find their way, they migrate to the gonadal ridges uh, and they they will get there about week six. And as uh, development continues, um, you develop uh, what are called primitive sex cords. Uh, In the males, uh, these turn into the seminiferous tubules uh, where sperm uh, develop Um, And then in females, uh, these will turn into the follicles where the eggs are stored. Next slide. Okay, internal development. Um, So there are two ducts that develop. Um, They develop uh, within the first few weeks of life, uh, but then around eight weeks of gestation, uh, they will begin to um, differentiate either to male or female. So you have the Mullerian ducts uh, and you have the, uh, the Wolfian ducts, all right? So in males, um, when that um, testis determining factor gene is being expressed on the Y chromosome, You will start to get um, testosterone and a hormone called anti-malarian hormone um, that are developed in the testes. And these hormones uh, will cause the uh, malarian ducts to disappear, and the wolfian ducts will stick around. And the wolfian ducts will eventually turn into some of the internal uh, male structures. Um, In females, um, in the absence of testosterone, it has nothing to do with estrogen or progesterone. In females, the Wolfian ducts will will break down and degrade. And then the Mullerian ducts will form the uterus and the fallopian tubes. Next slide. Okay. Um, External development, this begins as early as three weeks after conception. Um, So you have a structure called the cloacal fold that will develop into the genital tubercle and genital swellings. Uh, In males, um, a uh, hormone called dihydrotestosterone, which is made from testosterone, stimulates development of external male structures. And in females, the presence of estrogen stimulates development of the external female structures. Next slide. Um, Okay, so this is halfway, we're halfway through the biology section. Um, This is our dog, Odin. Um, Some of you might be feeling this way. Um, (laughs) And uh, just, I want to reassure you that we're, we're halfway through, so. All right, next slide. Okay, bone structure there is a difference between males and females. So in the males, uh, on your left, um, you will see the the male pelvis. Um, In general, the male pelvis is heavier, uh, the bone is thicker, it's more dense, it has more calcium deposits in it, and it's narrower. Um, You'll see the uh, pubic arch here, Um, in between the pubic rami bones. Um, This has a narrow angle, uh, less than 70 degree angle. Um, The coccyx, which is your tailbone here, um, is actually uh, a little bit uh, straighter. Is that right? No, I'm sorry. It's more movable and it's actually pointed inward a little bit. Uh, and uh, the, the pelvic inlet here between all of those bones, the ring of bone around it, is smaller and much more narrow. Okay, uh, In females here, on the right side of the screen, you'll see the female pelvis. Um, in comparison to males, it's less dense, it's lighter. Uh, the uh, tailbone, the coccyx, is uh, much less... Um, uh, or I'm sorry, it's much more flexible, uh, and it's uh, actually a lot straighter. Um, It does not angle in towards the pelvic inlet. Uh, Your pubic arch here um, has a much wider angle. Uh, It's usually over 60 degree angle, uh, if you were to measure that. And then your pelvic inlet between the ring of bone is going to be much more Wide. Um, does anyone know why that might be? <laughs> so, next slide. Okay, the skull. Um, there is a difference in skull structure between males and females. Again, the, the bone is much more dense. A male skull is going to be heavier. Um, the artist's rendition of the male skull is on the top, and then the rendition of the female skull is on the bottom of your screen. Uh, In males, um, they have more of a sloping forehead here that you can see on the the side view um, in comparison to the female forehead, which is uh, a lot more just vertical up and down. Your brow ridges where the eyebrows go Uh, much more prominent and pronounced than in your female uh, skull. Males have much more square chins. The angle of the mandible here, which you can feel, uh, it's kind of that bony point behind your jaw. Um, It's going to be much more pronounced, more of a sharp 90 degree angle in the males. In females, the mandibular angle is going to be much more rounded. Uh, in males, they have uh, a much more pronounced mastoid process in comparison to the females, where it's, it's much smaller and less pronounced. Um, you do have rather large muscular structures um, that attach to this, uh, this point on the skull. Uh, In in men, those muscles are much larger than in their female counterparts. Um, It's kind of hard to see on here, Um, the the picture got cut off a little bit, but your occipital ridge back here at the back of the skull um, is going to be uh, much more pronounced, again, in males in comparison to females, okay? Again, much larger muscle groups in males um, in comparison to females. Next slide. Okay, the brain, it's actually different between males and females. Um, In a male, the brain is fully developed around age 30, and in females, it's fully developed around age 22. (laughs) Um, Take that however you want. For the, for the guys here who are just figuring that out, the women knew a long time ago. <laughs> um, so in males, in general, they have more front-to-back connections. Um, this is going to help with eye-hand coordination, motor skills, information storage, so that they can keep track of their fantasy football team. Um, in females, um, you have more left to right connections, uh, which improves critical thinking, um, and uh, women have much better listening uh, and um, language skills um, than men do. So there is a reason. Next slide. Okay. Just some other differences. Uh, Males have a larger heart and lungs, uh, like we talked about, uh, more bone and muscle mass, and in general, lower body fat percentage than females do. Females smell better with their noses. Uh, They have more numerous taste buds on their tongue, so they are able to uh, taste food a lot better than males are. Uh, They're sensitive to um, very slight, subtle color differences, uh, like gray and blue. Uh, and they, in general, heal hear uh, much better than men do. So, next slide. Okay, hormones. Um, did you know that cholesterol is what um, starts off the process of forming testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone? Now you do. So, um, testosterone, the male hormone, estrogen, progesterone, are the female hormones. Um, Males and females do have all of these. Uh, However, uh, males have a much higher level of testosterone in relationship to estrogen and progesterone, and vice versa for women. They have much higher levels of estrogen and progesterone in comparison to testosterone. So... There's only several hormone options there. Okay next slide. So if you're confused, what's the point of all of this? Next slide. So science supports the biblical account of creation as male and female. In general, there are only two normative or there are only two normative um, sexes, male and female. Next slide. Um, So in the Old Testament, the Israelites would have understood biological sex and gender identity as a unified, inseparable whole. So biological sex would have been intertwined with their gender identity. An individual with uh, male uh, physical features would identify as a man, and an individual with female physical features would identify as female. So Jesus had this view in mind um, when he was talking about uh, divorce and and being male and female. Um, And Paul had this uh, this, uh, worldview in mind as well when he was citing uh, this passage from Genesis 2. Um, And so Jesus had this view, Paul had this view, it is the biblical worldview, and we as Christians today should have this view. Next slide. So now we're going to look at the fall. Satan came up to Eve and said, did God actually say? And that's really the question that we are facing today. Next slide. A Little bit of historical background. The first sex reassignment surgery took place in 1907. It was actually done on an intersex individual, so uh, someone who had structures both male and female. The first sex reassignment surgery for a transgender individual took place in Berlin, Germany in 1922. Oh, there it is. Uh, by Dr. Erwin Gorbant. Um, he and two other uh, physicians ran a transgender clinic in um, Berlin um, when the Nazis took power. Um, Dr. Gorbant ended up joining the uh, German Air Force and was doing medical experimentation on prisoners at a concentration camp at Dachau. The two other doctors fled uh, to Paris and eventually somewhere else. Um, The first transgender sex reassignment surgery here in the U.S. took place in 1966 at Johns Hopkins Medical Center in Baltimore. They ended the transgender clinic in 1979. Um, Their chief psychiatrist, Dr. Paul McHugh at uh, Johns Hopkins, um, said uh, at the time that they closed the clinic, we psychiatrists would do better to concentrate on fixing their minds and not their genitals. Um, The clinic reopened at Johns Hopkins in 2017. Next slide. So, philosophical background. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Next slide. Anybody know who this is? Next slide. Um, so this is Jean-Jacques Rousseau. He was an 18th century philosopher. Um, he was uh, one of the four foremost uh, philosophers of the Romantic era. Um, This was characterized by awe of nature, emphasis on emotion in the individual. Um, Romanticism taught that human nature is inherently good, um, but it's corrupted when someone is placed in society. Um, Human goodness is displayed through love of self or self-love and compassion. Um, this uh, philosophy highly influenced uh, a lot of uh, writers, painters, um, musicians of the age. Um, the Brothers grim Fairy Tales, Hans Christian Andersen, Ugly Duckling, Emperor's New Clothes, Mary Shelley Frankenstein, Washington Irving, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Rip Van Winkle, Nathaniel Hawthorne, The Scarlet Letter, Edgar Allan Poe, Sounds like my high school English classes. So, anybody know who this is? Next slide. So this is Friedrich Nietzsche. He was famous for saying that God is dead. Um, He he was a proponent of nihilism and esoteric moralism, uh, which taught that life has no purpose unless we create purpose. And that's where he said God is dead because we create our own morality. We decide what is good and what is evil. He also taught that man is in a constant state of transition of development and change to become uh, a greater person. If we become complacent or content, uh, then we lose our humanity. He thought that culture led to complacency and he developed the concept of the overman or ubermensch. Next slide. Anybody know who this is? Freud, Freud. yeah. Next slide. Sigmund Freud, he was an Austrian psychoanalyst, a psychiatrist, and he said that humans at the most basic level are sexual beings. So he had three different um, Levels or, um, I don't know what the word would be, levels uh, of human emotion and personality, id, ego, ego. superego. At the most basic level was the id. Um, This is sexuality, the need for food and drink. Superego was our moral um, consciousness. And then the ego was somewhere in between. Um, he said that our identity develops when we identify more closely with either our mother or father. Okay. Next slide. Anybody know who this is? Next slide. Jean-Paul Sartre, he was an existentialist. He believed we weren't born with human nature, um, and human nature only develops by what we do in society. He said that we're free to choose anything except to choose not to choose. And if you've heard the term authenticity, this is where it came from. Um, It means be true to yourself. This was the highest form of existence. And conformity to external morals, values, or norms is to deny our freedom to choose and is inauthentic. Next slide. This is for the A-plus students. Anybody know who this might be? Jacques Derrida. If you've heard of deconstructionism, this is where it's come from. So he said that meaning is a creation of human psychology. Something written 2,000 years ago or even 50 years ago has no meaning today because we cannot understand the cultural context, and it has no application to today. He said that we need to critically read a text to identify the binary opposites. Next slide. So he also said that there is inherent conflict between binary opposites that cannot be resolved. In addition, we need to seek justice for the oppressed side, although true justice can never be achieved. So he highly influenced the uh, transgender and the LGBTQ movement as well as critical race theory. So, what's the point of that? So if you start with Rousseau, humans are inherently good and we can make good decisions, good choices. Freud said we are sexual at the most basic level. Nietzsche said that we can define morality and uh, we need to be in constant transition towards improving ourselves. Sartre said we need to be authentic. And Derrida said that there is oppression. So if humans are inherently good, then we need to seek justice when there is oppression going on. Okay, next next slide. Uh, You might have to click it a couple of times. It did, yeah. Is it not gonna work? Okay. So, uh, this was the slide where uh, we were gonna see a a look out of an airplane um, for the 30,000 foot view that we're leaving now. (laughs) And there were some people, and we're gonna start talking about the people. Okay. Demographics, we're gonna look at more of Data to see who people are in the transgender movement. So, this is looking at the entire LGBTQ movement as a whole. Um, Gallup did a poll last year um, and determined that about 7.2% of the US population identifies as LGBTQ. Next slide. All right, again, the same Gallup poll. You'll see that the transgender population makes up about 0.6% of all U.S. adults based on this poll. Um, If you look at uh, transgender individuals among the LGBTQ population of adults. Um, it's going to be around around nine percent. Next slide. In general, the LGBTQ movement, Um, is um, gaining popularity in the younger population, um, in particular Gen Z and millennials to a a lesser degree. Uh, Nearly 20% of Gen Z uh, people uh, identify as some form of LGBTQ versus 11% in millennials just over 3% in Gen X and just under 3% in the baby boomer generation. Among transgender, uh, or transgender uh, individuals in Gen Z, just under 2% and right at 1% of millennials and less than half a percent um, for Gen X and baby boomers who identify as transgender. Next slide. Okay, looking at it by race. uh, About half of all white or Caucasian individuals uh, identify as transgender. Almost .8% of African Americans and uh, just a little over .8% of Hispanic individuals identify as transgender. And Other races uh, makes up about 0.65%. So less than 1% for all of those. Next slide. Uh, So socioeconomic status uh, between transgender and cisgender individuals. Uh, Transgender individuals, uh, you'll see in green, Um, Cisgender or uh, same-gender individuals you'll see in the uh, blue-green color there. Um, So 26% of transgender individuals uh, live below the poverty line uh, versus about uh, 15% of cisgender. uh, About equal, uh, looking at married individuals, uh, right around uh, 50% for both. Uh, Pretty close, um, uh, looking at uh, rural um, living, um, 29% transgender, 23% cisgender. Um, Employment, um, about equal but a little bit higher in cisgender uh, individuals and uh, individuals attending or who have attended college uh, quite a bit higher um, in the cisgender um, population compared to transgender. Uh, This was from the Pew Research Center. Uh, We're looking at the dark green here, Uh, they were Um, polling um, transgender individuals and non-binary individuals, so people who say that they don't fit in either uh, male or female. Um, You'll see that about 2% of young adults um, ages 18 to 29 identify as transgender in this poll. the rate actually increases to 3.1% in the under 25 crowd. It's about half a percent in the 25 to 29 range, and it actually jumps again, surprisingly, up to about 1.6% in 31 to 49, and then it's less than half a percent in people over age 50. So, next. Um, More than four out of 10 adults in this country say that they know at least one transgender individual. Next slide. So, abuse. This is lifetime abuse. Um, This could be abuse that took place before they uh, began identifying as transgender, or it could be abuse that took place after. Okay, so I could not find any information to break that down further. 73% of the transgender adolescents reported psychological abuse. 39% reported physical abuse and 19% reported sexual abuse. There was much more risk of abuse in transgender individuals than cisgender, meaning they identify as their biological sex. Um, The odds ratio, you you can look at this as being There's an 84% increase in transgender individuals compared to cisgender. Uh, There was a 61% increase in physical abuse in transgender individuals, and over two times higher risk of sexual abuse in transgender individuals. Okay, next slide. Mental health diagnoses in transgender and cisgender patients. Um, This was actually what's called a um, meta-analysis. They looked at um, millions and millions and millions of patient files through multiple electronic medical record systems comparing transgender individuals to their cisgender counterparts. Transgender individuals have much much, 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 much higher rates of mental health issues in comparison to the cisgender population. 58% of transgender individuals had at least one mental health diagnosis compared to about 14% in cisgender. Significantly higher rates of depression, bipolar disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, in the transgender population compared to cisgender. Um, I found a study yesterday. I didn't get it in the slides today, but it was out of Sweden from 2011. And uh, it said it was looking at um, transgender individuals post-sex reassignment surgery. There was an increased risk of death from suicide even after transgender surgery, increased risk of suicide attempts, increased likelihood of psychiatric hospitalization. And that's after reassignment surgery. Next slide. Uh, Much higher rate of PTSD from some traumatic event, whether it be abuse or um, something that happened in in their childhood or early adulthood. Next slide. Much higher rate of ADD. Next slide. Substance abuse. Um, Any substance abuse, 10% 10% of transgender individuals compared to 2.5% in their cisgender counterparts. Tobacco abuse was almost one out of four in the transgender population compared to about 10% of the general cisgender population. Next slide. Uh, gambling disorder, this is um, formerly known as pathological. Gambling disorder, Um, any gambling, not just problematic gambling causing distress to the individual, um, about the same, okay? But gambling disorder where it causes distress to the individual was about three times higher in the transgender population, about 1.5% compared to 0.5%. Uh, It was highest among trans women, so biological males who identify as women. It was about 3%. And it was lowest in cis women, biological women identifying as women, uh, where it was about 0.1% or 0.2%, sorry. Okay, next slide. Pornography, social media, gender dysphoria, dysphoria. Um, there's anecdotal evidence that pornography use affects adolescents and it affects their identification with a specific gender. It leads to unrealistic and distorted views of what it means to be male and female. Looking at rapid onset gender dysphoria, this is the social phenomenon of adolescents, uh, mostly adolescent females, um, where there is increased social media usage. Um, Usually these individuals will belong to a social media group and one other person in that group on social media will identify as trans. And there is an 87% increase in that individual coming out as transgender later in life. Next slide. So having these thoughts and feelings is evidence of the fall. There may be naturalistic explanations. Genetics, psychology, there may be associations, but it is still outside of the bounds of God's design for us as male and female. Just having these thoughts and feelings does not constitute sin, but when we do let the thoughts consume us and we begin focusing on them and seeking so-called gender-affirming care, such as hormones and surgery. You've crossed the line. It's become idolatry. And if you're dishonoring your parents by doing this, that's also sin. Next slide. Yeah. Okay, keep it up, okay. Um, Idolatry, you shall have no other gods before me. Dishonoring parents, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Next slide. We haven't changed much. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. All right, next slide. So redemption, that's what we should be about as the church, as Christ followers. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life next slide we are called to love our neighbor as ourself even if they don't live life the way we think they should we're still called to do that this was given to Israel after the fall. Next slide. We need to be about calling people to repentance. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. Isaiah one twenty seven. Luke 5. Levi made Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And Jesus said in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Next slide. We need to have compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, just like today. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So just a question, how do we measure success? Is it based on how many converts we make? Or do we measure success by obedience to what God is calling us to do and to say? So Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, we're not gonna read the whole passage, uh, but Jesus' purpose in this um, uh, or with this woman was to seek and to save the lost. Well, his purpose for everybody was to seek and to save the lost. We know that Jesus' position on marriage is between one man and one woman. Um, this woman was was not living that way, but Jesus still interacted with her and was um, calling her um, to uh, faith and to believe in him so in this in this case um, the takeaway is purpose trumps position with genuine questions and questioners next slide um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, pretty familiar to, to everyone here, I'm sure. Who was the neighbor to the man in need? And just hypothetical questions. Um, who was the neighbor to the man in need? And how does this apply to my life in my ministry? Next slide. Okay, hey, we're going to finish. Glorification, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Next slide. always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Next slide. Okay, Um, I don't think we have time for uh, for the case studies. I I wrote a few um, just short scenarios um, to kind of go through. Uh, I think we're gonna be sending those out for the small group. discussions this week. Uh, So you guys can talk about that. We have five minutes if anyone has questions about anything, Uh, but that's the end. Is there something else I can help with? (laughs) No Siri, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so any questions at all? Do we need a mic too? for others. Um,
1: I'm just wondering about, like, the gender reassignment uh, surgeries and stuff, and, like, how does that impact the individuals, and, like, also... Have you been pressured at all to have to do those or talk to people about that kind of thing?
0: Um, I have not personally had any uh, pressure um, to promote that or um, discuss it with anybody. Um, The data that I can find um, shows that people feel good for about 12 months um, after they start hormone replacement therapies or do the surgery, Um, and then the data just kind of stops. So I can't really answer that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, my greatest uh, concern and compassion would be for the 1.5% that are not normal birth that are both male and female at that time. Yeah. Have you treated any people like that, and what's your position on that?
0: I have not had to treat anyone uh, like that. Um, I think we need to have uh, definitely compassion for them. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know how I feel about um, surgery for that. Um, I, I just haven't made a good decision one way or another, how I feel about that, but that, that potentially would be one area that it may be okay, is to have them lead a, a normative, normal life.
1: I was fascinated by the statement of the guy from John Hopkins yeah. that stopped the program.
0: Yeah. Uh, can you repeat that? Uh, let's yeah. fix, fix their minds instead of their genitals, I think. Where did that program go after that? Because that feels like where we are now, in uh-huh. sp- without Christ. Yeah. Yeah, he said, we psychiatrists would do better to concentrate on fixing their minds and not their genitalia. Uh, so, yeah, that is, that's where we're at. It's, uh, I think we have
1: more, uh, more questions, yeah. so why don't we take one more question, if there is...
0: Okay. Well, thanks, everybody.
1: We want to thank you so much for putting in the time to uh, prepare this, this Sunday school lesson for us. I know this is a very heavy topic in, in all of our lives. We know, you know, the, the, you said that 40% of people have either interacted or have known someone who is dealing with this issue. And so I think we can say that we have seen these people around. They're in our families. They're in our lives. And so uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, if you have any further questions, uh, we are going to be sending the case studies for you to discuss in your small groups this week. Uh, and also, if you have questions, uh, we were thinking about doing a kind of a and a type of a a panel down in about two weeks because uh, Adam's going to be gone. Um, but if you are interested in that, please express your interest. Otherwise, feel free to send your questions to Adam directly uh, or to uh, one of the physicians here in the church as well. So uh, we want to thank you for the, the hard work. And let me just close us in prayer uh, before we have about 15 minutes before our next service. Oh, Lord, you are, you are good. Lord, your creation reflects your goodness and your love and your love. And Lord, uh, as Adam has shared, you have called us to show compassion to those who are struggling in sin, Uh, but not just to leave them there, but to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, to call them to repentance, to call them to an eternal life and a personal relationship with your Son. So Lord, as we go from here, Lord, give us courage. May we be your hands and feet to go and to show that love and to boldly share that truth that you are the truth, the way, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.